Welcome to another episode of On The Line. My name is Christina Kay. I'm Joe Mullings, and in studio today we have Dave Ranker, who has uh, been on the show once or twice. He's OG. Once he was twice. the first. Yeah, I think I was the wow. first. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Dave's joining us today. Uh, Dave's background, to remind you all, was uh, he was a big hitter on the HR side of things and organizations like Dave Stryker. He was Surgical Stryker. Olympus. Couple, yeah, a couple divisions of Stryker, yep. right? Yep. So today we're going to talk about mergers and acquisitions since uh, there was an interesting headline in the news last week about Boston Scientific potentially being bought by Stryker, right? Right. So that ended up being, at least as of a day or two ago, fake news. Am I allowed to say that? Fake news. <laughs> fake news. <laughs> because there was apparently, what's going on down there? That's Abba. <laughs> that noise is Abba. Our studio pet. Uh, our boss. Our boss. Drinking on a hamster. Drinker. Yeah, her face smells awful. We it's a hamster to... thing, though. If, if, <laughs> it's, it's a big hamster bottle. Yeah. Instead of a bowl. We'll upload a picture. So back to business. Mm-hmm. M&A, mergers and acquisitions and what it does to your career. And uh, this podcast is not about BSC, Boston Sci, or Stryker. Just put a disclaimer in there. And Dave... Especially, he's not going to say anything about Stryker or Boston Sci, and I won't either. But I do want to talk about what does it mean to your career when there's a merger or an acquisition going on? You're the buyer or the buy-e. And Dave, you sat through a couple of those, haven't you? Yeah, you know, I've had the good fortune of being acquired um, and be on the acquiring side, and they're completely different viewpoints. Um, you know, being in the driver's seat versus being sort Driven. of helpless to what <laughs> what will happen is uh, you know very very different feelings, but um, it is um, it has an incredible impact, <clears throat> like literally overnight on the organization and people uh, and different levels uh, levels of the organization think about different things as as you know the acquisitions approach or so, they're announced. So so what are some of the general observations you have, like closest to the grenade and furthest to the grenade? Um, you know, I think whenever these things happen, right, it's hush, 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 and then all of a sudden there's an announcement and uh, your average employee is driving to work and they may hear something on the radio oh, wow. and want to like run off the road. But, um, you know, I think different levels. I think uh, the average employee is thinking, oh my God, am I going to lose my job? Should I be looking for a job? Um, when is this all going to happen? Work stops, right? So productivity stops. Everybody's rumoring and talking and I heard this and I heard that. On the executive level, the, you know, they're immediately go to their stock plan coordinators to see, uh, you know, if everything vests, uh, change of control and start counting the stock options. Um, and then they start thinking about, um, redundancy. Because, you know, two, let's just take that deal that was supposed to have been happening. Two big companies, even even though um, they're separate, you know, from a North Peaks company and a general surgery company, um, you never go into a deal 
thinking you can't take money out of it and money is people for most part. Um, so your executives start thinking about, you know, redundancy, you know, and, and, you know, will I have my leadership role? Should I start looking for another role? Is there, is there some physics that take place when you were the acquirer or the acquiree? Are there certain parts of the organization that for the most part, from your experience, yeah. not gospel, but from your experience are, um, replaced clearly like sales organizations or GNA or ops? Yeah, I'd say GNA. I mean, GNA is a, a target. I mean, um, we explain everybody in the audience what GNA is. Sure. It's, it's, you know, your general administration, um, HR accounting, um, finance IT. Those are the areas where, um, you know, typically is the first stop. Uh, you know, when you're looking, we've, we've done a lot of due diligence on a lot of companies and, most times sales, you know, if, if it's a good deal and you want to scale up your sales team is, is okay. You may, they may scrape out some sales leaders, but GNA is always a place where you can save money. You're always going to try and, um, go to a more centralized view of accounting, accounts payable, receivable, IT, right? You, you want to get to a point where you can transfer over your systems to the larger entity as soon as you can. That could take a couple of years, depending upon the size of the organization. But um, it's it's an area that you you want to take money out of. Uh, so you know you're going in there looking for synergies. So let's say you're not uh, let go of or or yeah. found to be sort of redundant, uh, and you stick around. I would probably be pretty concerned that the culture would change so drastically that I wouldn't even want to be there to begin with. Is that common? Do you yeah, say no, that? that's, that's very, very common. Um, you know, again, I, um, I lived through Tyco's acquisition of us surgical at the time and two very different, one was sort of a sexy medical device company. The other was more of a commodity driven business and, um, with two very different cultures and, uh, uh, it was, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Um, I've walked into smaller organizations, really cool products, really cool, uh, teams of people and worried that we were going to acquire them <laughs> because you knew we would screw them up. We knew we would screw up that culture that, um, you know, when you go in, you see it and it's so special. And that's what, you know, you're thinking, okay, great. This is a great culture. We want to buy this company. But it's also the thing you're, that's the easiest to screw up, to your point, which is culture and, and um, processes change. People automatically, your, your instinct is to say, well, that's not the way we did it, mm -hmm. right? That's funny, though. It's tough because you, you it, can't that's buy the way culture, though. You just can't buy culture. No. And, and once you come from an organization whose purpose was their culture, and so... While Tyco at that time, not Covidian, but it was Tyco at the time, right? Yeah. I'd call it a culture, but in relative terms to U.S. Surgical, U.S. Surgical was a unique culture yeah. that Leon drove from the top. And that is not something you can buy. That's something you have to grow from really years the and years first, and years. the nucleus, and it expands out. Yeah. And that's what a purpose-driven culture is, where I think... Tyco was an accounting driven culture. Would you yeah. agree with that? Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's pretty accurate. I think it went along with the commodity, um, product line. Yeah. Right. And you're right. I mean, you a surgical Leon created it, people followed it and it, but it, 
took years and years and years to, to build it. So what advice would you give to the person who is, so let's look at a couple tiers here, right? You, you mentioned earlier the person's closest to the grenade. And I don't mean that in a negative place, but really where the explosion occurs, the people who negotiated the deal, like Joe mm -hmm. Almeida back in the Tyco day yeah. or Leon or other execs. Um, and then go further out from the blast on the gal or guy driving their car home, just started there two years ago and right. found out through a headline. Yeah. So w what's your advice in general? And again, not an HR head, but now a headhunter hat yeah, on. Yeah, I, I think the advice is don't freak out because most of these deals don't happen, right? Most of them, you know, there's a rumor um, just like this latest one, right? It, it was... There may have been contact, whatever, you know, but there is no deal. And there, I think everybody was sort of, if I'm guessing, was probably freaking out in there. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't worry about it. Honestly, I know that's easy to say, but I think most time when there's, when there's a real acquisition or a merger, it takes time for all this stuff to fill out and understand, you know, who's, what group's going to make it. Um, but doesn't it put careers on hold realistically? Yeah, Dave? it does. I mean, it, it, it does. I mean, it, right? you really, really have to, you know, I, I, I remember sitting there, you know, thinking when the deal was done with, with, um, with Tyco, you know, am, am I gone? Right. Am I going to, you know, somebody going to walk down the hall with a package mm -hmm. and will I be gone? And, and now what do I do? After you redlined a whole bunch of different people too. It, right? Exactly. Right. You know, it, and it's, you know, you can, you know, it, I was part of the, you know, participant in helping to identify keep, you know, keepers and and A players and all of that kind of stuff. But it happens all the time, you know, that that, you know, again, you become redundant. You got two VPs of HR, one's probably gonna go. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just it's just the way it is. What also happens in a lot of those mergers and acquisitions, and let's talk about when it does happen, not the not the um the, the potential, but when it does happen, it's announced. Here's, here's the rules for sure is almost all R and D goes on hold. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All new initiatives go on hold. Yeah. Um, spending gets locked down. Yep. Um, additional acquisitions rarely move forward on both parties. Right. Right. Unless Unless during an acquisition you have to divest yourself because of antitrust of certain properties. Right. Right. And I think if somebody took a longitudinal study of it, promotions disappear for a year to two until the music stops and the chairs are arranged. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's always a dominant culture, right? So there's always, if there's two big companies, there's always that dominant culture. That What's that mean to the employee then? Um, culture, processes, benefits, could be a benefit change into the employee. You know, it's, it becomes personal, right? It's, it's my job. It's a way of doing things. It's culture, it's pay, um, everything. New boss. New boss. Right. Yeah. I was thinking about that. I've been, I listen to and, and read a lot of Malcolm Gladwell and I, he has a, he writes extensively about, uh, what makes people optimal performers or exceptional. And, and he writes a lot about teams. And I was just thinking, well, you know, from the top down, you have this team that's working so well that this larger company wanted to acquire it in the first place. And now what you're doing is you're going to swap some people out and you're going to remove some redundant people. You might replace the the leader of that team. And 
And that's a chemistry issue that you don't know if you'll be able to replicate the thing that made you want to acquire that company in the first place. Yeah. You know, it's a ri- I would imagine that must be a pretty big risk. Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely is. It definitely is. I've, I've, spoken to a couple of the people who are in charge of integrations and the thing that's always under club and underestimated is the retention of the a-level talent Uh, very rarely is the uh, focus on retention other than lip service Hmm. and that's really odd because really people are what you're buying most of the time unless you're absolutely buying revenue this is the yep. case with some companies right or um, unbelievable tech or something yeah unbe- unbelievable tech that's an immediate tuck into what you're doing uh, you know and, and and we can look at GE up and down and I just wrote about that yesterday you could look at GE and all they did was they were a company that was acquiring technologies after the technologies were already deemed as oh we should be in this mm-hmm. and the leadership teams in each of those technologies bailed as soon as the acquisition took place. And those that didn't, that were incentivized to stay for a year or two on either a lump sum payout or stock, were there just treading water. And I can tell you because I've recruited those people Mm -hmm. and they're like, listen, dude, I just got to put another six months in and I'm out of here. I'm like, well, what's going on? He goes, nothing. I'm just passing time. And so those were your difference makers at that point in time. And they're all sitting on retention agreements, you know, and and so to your point, they, they are, they're sitting, you know. Not wasting time, but they're passing time. Passing time. There's a nice balloon payment in six months or nine months or a year. Um, so I mean, it is, it is. It's just a weird, weird, weird time. I mean, I remember after the um, the time of the of the Tyco U.S. Surgical deal, standing at, before the deal, standing in front of all the R and D folks at U.S. Surgical, most of them you placed. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> talking about why this is a great deal for for U.S. Surgical and that they're buying us because of our R&D and that we're an aggressive company and and blah, blah, blah. And then I remember after the deal saying in the same area, announcing layoffs of, of R&D. Um, and so it is, it's, it's just such a weird time for everybody. You know, I, I stayed on for maybe six months after the deal. And, you know, that, that six months... It was a mishmash of leadership teams and trying to get everybody together and on the same page. And it was being asked to sort of rip apart a company that I had spent 13 years building. And finally came the realization that, you know, that's not the right role for me, right? Mm -hmm. There's somebody else that's probably better, better at ripping apart something. They're not, it's not as much of a personal thing than it was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it just, there's so many different things that, that come into play. I'm wondering as someone who might've had to confront people directly and tell them, you know, you're obsolete or yep. somebody who's talking to people who are, you know, maybe looking to jump ship. If I just heard on the radio that my company got acquired and I'm walking into work knowing that and feeling that fear, what are the warning signs inside the building that I should be looking for to know I should contact my friendly neighborhood recruiter and see what's out there. I would say you won't know because generally the person that you're reporting into doesn't know either. Mm. And the person that he or she is reporting into doesn't know either. It's they, pretty stealth, right? It is. Even after the announcement, yeah. um, there's usually a lockdown, right? There's usually yeah. a red zone that information doesn't get passed over. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you like to keep it, you know, there's an integration team, due diligence team, integration team, 
and, and they're do, usually different too, aren't they're, they? They're usually different, and they're different talents. Um, but but Joe's right. It, and you 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 really won't know. And if you think you know, you're probably wrong. And you just have to sit and wait, uh, and or leave, or leave. You know, or leave. And if, honestly, if you don't have a lot of a lot of investment in the organization, you don't have stock that needs to get to a certain point. Then you know people are going to leave because there's great opportunities out there. And do you think if I were looking at other options and I didn't get laid off, is that something that can come back and haunt me later? Would I get dinged for potentially, you know, talking to a recruiter, looking at other opportunities, interviewing around? Is that something that can come back and be a problem later? I think people understand. Mm -hmm. I I think people get it for for the most part. And I think the person you report into is also looking. You have to, and, oh. and everybody's yeah. yeah. And, and good leadership will <laughs> yeah. tell you that, and be like, you know, Christina, my recommendation is um, exactly have a backup plan, right? That's yeah. that's what a good leader will tell yeah. you, because if otherwise they're lying to you. Yeah, and they're they're going to say, look, don't panic, no need to panic, take your time, but I don't blame you if you start to look around. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's if to Joe's, if it's a good leader, and they actually care about your career, yeah. right? Yeah, and and oftentimes what's interesting is the managers directors, VPs who do leave, stay in good straits with them. Because when they go to the new play, the first people that they go out and reach out to are the high performance they recently left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, now, be careful. Here's some guidance. If you don't hear from them, don't take it personal. Because there's something called a non-solicitation that they sign on the way out the door. Usually if they get a package. Or it's even in their employee employment agreement. Most yeah, most times it's in the. So that yeah. means while they can't reach out to you, you can reach out to them. So that's a takeaway I would say, and I don't know if that's enforceable, Dave. If if Mrs. Smith, who was my direct supervisor, leaves and goes to company B, Mrs. Smith can't reach out to me, but I can reach out to Mrs. Smith, right? Yeah, I mean, as, as long as as long as it's just you're not you're not actively. Soliciting. Soliciting employees. Right. So I would do that. That's a move I would do. And again, don't take it personal if Mrs. Smith didn't reach out to you because she can't. Right. Yeah. Right. Or or she may know it's, you're not on the chopping block, right? Right. And that you're, you know, don't freak out, stay there, you know, whatever. But, but okay, I'm going to be a little aggressive here. Shocker. Um, if you're going through an acquisition and even if you're not on the chopping block, just know that depending where you sit, all money is going to be tight for the next 12 to 24 months, depending on the size of the integration. Like look at Boston Psy um, or or the J&J Guidant acquisition, right? I mean, the BSC Guidant acquisition, right? Yeah. Um, That acquisition almost put them out of business and they were on their heels with nothing. Mm -hmm. And even the Covidian Medtronic deal. And Depew and Synthes. I mean, it just, it takes years to integrate these mega companies. You know, smaller companies, you know, you can do fairly quickly. Right, because you're buying tech. Because you're buying tech. You know, maybe there's 100 people. Um, you figure out how long you're going to keep the office for or the manufacturing. You roll manufacturing somewhere else and you take on the technology and a few leaders. Um, but the megas, it's just that's probably what stalls most of the deals that happen is just the integration. Mm-hmm. And it freezes everything up. And, and that's where I always suggest if you let yourself be 
um, directed by the acquirer or the acquiree, you're having an accidental career. What do you mean? You're letting somebody else determine where your career goes. Yeah. Because during an acquisition, a very small percentage of the people's careers move forward. You're usually treading water. So therefore, you're waiting. You're consciously deciding to wait. And I call that an accidental career during that time. Not driving your career. No intention, no bogey, because it's a gray area ahead. Right. And so therefore, you're just saying, okay, I'm going to lay back for a year or two and see what happens. And that's cool if that's yeah. what you're mapped to. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. You know, maybe you have personal challenges, you can't move, sig other, kids, schools, et cetera. But you're having an accidental career. And 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 this is another dynamic I saw. Um, and, and it came from my self-defense days. And it's an interesting alignment. There was a uh, there's a book out there by um, Grossman called On Killing. And he talks about the um, intimacy of the difference between um, killing somebody with a knife in your hand, eye to eye, killing somebody with a sniper rifle from 100 meters, or dropping a A-bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And the visceral impact at point of contact at that moment that it has on people. And when you're eye to eye having to, you know, gut somebody or stab somebody, yeah. that is a lot harder than at a distance dropping a bomb on literally millions. And the same thing takes place in the corporate setting. I have unfortunately, you know, had this sit across from so many people um, to let them know about layoffs, right? Uh, or just flat out terminations, you know, where everybody's, people are good people, right? And you're, and you're looking at people whose careers are going to change immediately after I talk to them. And it's a really, really hard- Their lives are going to change. Their lives change. And, you know, it's, it sucks. I mean, it, it really sucks. There's just no nice word to use because uh, most times they didn't do anything wrong except be, you know, a number, right? And, and, um, damage from from an acquisition unintentional yeah so because you know to your point that that you might be working with these people again especially if they're looking at other options or they know they you know and you said you you were letting people go and then you were not sure if your number would come up in the process right. or when it was all done uh what's the best way to accept that news so that i can bow out as gracefully and as graciously as possible to make sure that that connection remains intact just be professional. I mean, it's, it's most times it's not personal. It, it, you know, it's just not personal. And a lot of it is how it's handled. You know, there's, um, you need to be compassionate when you're doing these discussions with people, um, professional, caring, because uh, you just devastated them. And, and I think if you do that, most people understand and, and keep it professional and, and understand that you're not a bad guy or a bad woman. You're just, you know, you've just had a job to do. But I think if you keep it professional, that will resonate in your organization. People will remember you by that and that'll follow you wherever you go. Um, Empathy goes both ways too, Dave, yeah. right? The person sitting across from you when you have to deliver the news, they got to understand too that 
not to use a John Mellencamp line, but it's not okay that it's just your job, but it right. is your job. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I've, you know, unfortunately um, separated people that I call on in this job, right? Um, that because the way it was handled, um, we immediately had a connection and stayed friends over the years and helped each other out. And um, and that's where you want to be. That's where you want to be because, again, you just never know your network continues as you go and changes a little bit here and there. But those those people will be there for you down the road. Also, know that when you're sitting at that desk, and, and you can confirm this, Dave, that you've got some things you can negotiate, hmm. right? Some things you can. Can. Yeah. Right? You sometimes. Can, yeah. Sometimes it's healthcare, the duration of healthcare, yeah. right? Sometimes it's the exit package, Yeah. right? You're given a range, not with everybody, yeah. but- You have, you have more- um, yeah, more things you can negotiate on when there are individual packages or smaller deals. When you get to the large deals, it's formula driven and you you have less negotiation for the average person. Not saying it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Most times it happens afterwards with a, a letter from a lawyer, mm-hmm. right? And now you're just trying to negotiate a deal. But but no, you're you're right. And I would advise people to always you know, it's you're 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 looking at a legal document, and this is where people make a mistake. They just think, oh, it must be fine. Now let me just sign it and get it back to them as soon as I can. And I always tell people, listen, it's a legal document. Take it to somebody who you trust. You know, preferably a lawyer. Right, not your dad or your not uncle. your dad, right, <laughs> or the neighbor. You know, take it to a lawyer. Spend the two hundred fifty bucks from to spend an hour looking at it. Um, and maybe they'll want to write a letter on your behalf or whatever to try and negotiate something, but it's a legal document. And that's where I would go after um, simple things like non-competes, yeah. especially if you're getting um, uh, consideration in kind for that, yeah. right? So don't sign something going out the door, especially a non-compete, uh, unless you're getting something um, reasonably uh, 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 valuable in yeah. kind, because a lot of times they'll give you a check for one or two months salary and then lock you down on a non-compete for two years yeah. and then you've got a real issue and that's hard to wiggle out of. Um, so that's the one as a headhunter I see a lot that people, to your point, just go, okay, great, I'm getting a check. Right. Um, so I think you can totally yeah, look at that, point. right? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, again, your point, the smaller the company, the more leverage you have. Yeah. So I always advocate for the individual, not the company. Uh, my clients are not going to be crazy about that, but that's the reason why they're the clients because the individuals in the marketplace trust us. So I would say the smaller the company, if you're under 100, 200, 300 people and there's an acquisition, you've got some chops. Yeah. I would absolutely be sure, as Dave said, taking it to an attorney, understand what your limitations are, ask for more. There's usually a range. You know, acquisitions yeah. don't want lawsuits associated with them also. Yeah. I mean, you may get an extra month's pay or you may get a Why reduction not? on the non-compete, which is a great point, you know, to, to, to get out of that. Um, anything. Again, if you pay 250 and they look at it and they write a letter, right, and simple. The ROI is pretty good yeah. on that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things you can also negotiate on the way out the door is your title. So I've had this happen in my startups where there are 15, 20, 30, 40 people and you're acquired. You know when an acquisition's coming generally, especially in a startup, it's it's a lot more um, 
out in the open than it is in the large, because it's not publicly traded. And if right. it's a publicly traded company, everything has to be kept under wraps. Yep. In the startups, and if you know something's going down, have a conversation with the person at the top of the food chain and ask them to consider promoting you before the acquisition goes down. Hmm. Because uh, you can jump up a level and that's sometimes good and sometimes it's bad, depends. Like if you're a director and you move into VP, um, then that's sort of gonna kibosh your chance to looking for director roles and that might be your only way to get one after right, the acquisition. Yeah. But ask for a promotion on the acquisition on the way out the door. Nobody gets hurt, uh, but it may help you on your resume. So that's another thing to negotiate. Do you have any other questions? No, that was really informative. I mean, I mostly I just had a lot of questions because it's something that's never even been on the horizon for any role I've ever had. Yeah. And I had no idea that it would have any impact on a person's career. You know, I found that to be sort of beyond the scope of what I would imagine. But then I, the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, this is actually potentially hugely damaging or at least very um, a, a time of immense upheaval. Yeah. Uh, so... Thank you. Yeah, and it matters who you are too. So this is something I don't want to make this sound like it's just it's a buy and a sell and everybody gets a check and walks away skipping on the inquire ease side. Um, I know I've dealt with a lot of startup people and my myself being an entrepreneur and a startup person. Uh, you can take care of your people in those acquisitions and I've seen it happen. I've seen founders, um, owners, even CEOs who maybe weren't the founders but have been driving the ship, um, I've seen them take care of their people in the negotiations. Uh, and not just money. It's not always money. Uh, on the integration, who's going to run what. Uh, so to the CEOs out there and the owners, oftentimes you're looking at a nice um, lump sum it's really important that you look behind you and see the reason why you're even in the situation you are. Yeah. And there is, I mean, and that is always agreed up front. So with any deal, there's always an employee side, right? What's the benefits? What's the severance? Who's paying the severance? Um, what severance plan are you using? Stock, everything. And you're right. This in, especially in the smaller companies, um, the good CEOs, the good human beings, good human beings, perfect. Um, actually, put a lot of time and effort into negotiating that piece. Yeah. When um, Stryker divested the biotech division, the the deal was actually held up for a while because Stryker had demands about how these people who were leaving their company were treated. As far as pay, titles, whose severance plan, and and that was a real eye opener. I mean, they really said, you know what? Listen, the terms, everything's great, but this is really important to us as an employer. And they were smart because that gets out, and now the re reputation comes around as being a really, really caring employer. Yeah, that was actually, I think, a really informative one. So, thank you, Dave. Yeah, it was good. Well, this was another episode of On the Line. My name is Christina Kay. I'm Joe Mullings. And I'm Dave Ranker. And we will see you next episode. Bye.